Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Moving Up the Ladder, a show that gives you some knowledge and insight into how to further the success of your career or business, no matter what part of the employment spectrum you might fall on. With LocalJobNetwork.com Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. You hear it all the time. You have to stand out from the pack. What separates you from the other candidates? Well, today we try to give you some advice on how to build your case and execute, essentially, a sale of yourself. Joining us from California is Terry Shodine, principal and founder of Shodine Communications and author of the book, Small Message, Big Impact, The Elevator Speech Effect. Terry, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Thank you for having me, Tim. It's a pleasure. If you could, just to give people an idea of where you're coming from and and where your expertise and experience lies, maybe give us an idea of what you've done and uh, just your current work situation, so to speak. Sure. Well, I'm the principal and owner of a public speaking sales training and consulting firm in Newport Beach, California, uh, called Shodine Communications. And we offer uh, executives and professionals training on how to develop and build more polished and persuasive presentations, regardless of length. But my newest book, Small Message, Big Impact, focuses on clear, concise, and compelling messaging, typically messages that take place you know, anywhere from 30 seconds to three minutes. And that's one of the things that I thought was interesting is, is in this idea of elevator speeches and whatnot. People have different thoughts on that, but sure. there are a number of stories out there, articles, books, seminars, so to speak, and as far as standing out from the crowd. I guess what exactly makes your information, your book different than kind of everything else you might see out there? And I totally agree. There are so many different opinions, especially on the concept of elevator speeches. And my background is in speech and debate. I was really fortunate when I was in high school and in college. I had high school and college speech coaches that really forced us and taught us how to craft compelling messages in a very short period of time. So my strategy, my philosophy really leans on a kind of traditional argumentation, which is not argumentative, but rather based on the premise that we have to build a logical, persuasive case in order to move people towards action. And that case has to have evidence to support your points. So in debates, the other thing that you learn is that everything has to be communicated in sound bites, right? Hmm. Get to the point, get there quickly. And I really think that that's really a better alignment and understanding of my philosophy of elevator speeches. Most people, kind of the old school philosophy of an elevator speech is that you're supposed to sell the whole dog and pony show in three minutes or less, and that's really not its job. Hmm. The true function of a great small message with big impact or a great elevator speech is merely to intrigue and inspire the listener to want to hear more. When you've done it right, it inspires and intrigues the listener to say, okay, tell me a little bit more about that, or, oh, that was interesting, or, you know, I've heard that before, but the way you just said it just landed in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's its job, is to create that intrigue. And I think that that's what really makes our messaging different. Okay, sure, that makes sense. With the elevator speech being such a focus of, you know, your philosophy and whatnot, and you kind of gave us a, a definition or what you kind of look for with that. What exactly makes it an X factor, as I think you've mentioned, in terms of getting that job or getting an opportunity at least to pitch yourself further for a, a position? Okay, well, let's go back to the true definition of what an sure. elevator speech is, right? So an elevator speech is a brief presentation that introduces a product, a service, a philosophy, or an idea. And the name basically suggests this notion that the message should be delivered in the time span of an elevator ride. But it's a metaphor, right? Mm. So it doesn't mean literally. Like, people are like, oh, it must be a fast elevator or it must be a slow elevator. Again, it's just a metaphor. And its general purpose, again, is to intrigue and inspire. 
So what is that X factor? The X factor suggests that, look, let's say you're at a job fair. You might get two to three minutes with an interviewer at a job fair, and it's only obligation or their only obligation to you in that two to three minutes is to determine or pull something out of you that entices someone to say, all right, let's set up the next interview time or let's set up the next appointment time. Mm -hmm. If you are in a competitive interview situation, you're not only selling yourself and your ideas, but you're selling yourself again into the next interview introduction or interview opportunity. So what the X factor is a combination of three elements. And so at this point, people would say, okay, well, what makes a great talk? And at that point, I would say, okay, look, there are three benchmarks that people kind of determine as uh, the standout issues, if you will. Uh, people are looking at your case. Did you build a solid persuasive case for why they should work with you? Uh, number two, they're looking at your creativity. Uh, did you say something in a way that was fresh, different, unique, a way that something that landed in their minds in a way that uh, they've never really heard it that way before? And then the third piece is your delivery. It's mm -hmm. the way that you speak. It's your energy and your enthusiasm. So the X factor kind of comes together in this big mushroom pot of what an elevator speech does, your timing and who's listening and where you are, et cetera. So it's hard to put just like one little thing, but there's a, there's a stew, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then that makes perfect sense. And I want to touch quickly just on that delivery aspect, because this is one thing I always felt myself and I talk to people is how, with that delivery, how do you come across as being authentic? Because it, it you don't, to me, want to sound like you're just a commercial or you're just boasting about yourself. So are there any little keys that you can focus on to ensure that it sounds just like you're having a, a conversation that you're starting and, as you said, trying to lead into another interview or another conversation with that person? Sure. Okay, well, there's actually two ways to look at that question. So the first thing is, how do you make it sound like you're not just talking about yourself? Right. Uh, the best thing to do is to always focus it on what does your element, your quality, your selling point, how does it serve the listener or that organization? So um, this kind of goes back to how do you build a persuasive and compelling case? You always tie back your uh, your assets to their needs. How are you going to save them time? How are you going to save them money? How are you going to save them mental sanity? How are you going to give them greater security, right? Mm -hmm. As you make it all about their needs, it becomes more about how you do that and less about how great I am, right? Gotcha. And then the second factor of that is, okay, so so that's the case portion of what we're talking about. The way you illustrate that with your background and the way that you uh, kind of communicate, look, this is how I've done that in the past, is that evidence. And the evidence can be the creative way that you bring that content to life. And then in the delivery piece of that, how do you do that and stay in a conversational mode is I think what you're trying to get to at the end. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that comes with a little bit of practice and a little bit of confidence and knowing your material. Uh, the easiest way to get you to think about the authentic delivery is to think about a comedian. Have you ever been to a comedy show and you know, you're laughing so hard, the material's so good, and then you get home and you try yourself to share that same joke with someone else? It just doesn't land in the same way, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's because it's not your joke, right? It's not your material. And so when, when your material is authentic to you and you can share the story in your own voice and it's your stuff, that's how you kind of get to the truthiness of the message. Um, you kind of can't be someone else. So a great comedian speaks in their own authentic voice. And, and the same thing with a great speaker or interviewer. 
Uh, you just have to try to imagine you're talking to one of your best friends and you're having a real authentic and sincere conversation as you're communicating your case and your creativity. And that's how we help people to get there, if you will. Sure. So let's take a look then a little bit into how a job seeker can really stand out and, and maybe compared to what people traditionally end up doing or, or the traditional suggestions, advice, so to speak. When you're talking about what information that you're divulging, what types of things you're talking about to build that persuasive case, I mean, what exactly does that sound like or the things it entails? I know you touched on a little bit, but I guess compared to that traditional model, so to speak. Uh, I think this is one of the most important things you can do, and that is to really define what assets you bring to the table uh, before you walk in the door. So you look at your collective background and you say, all right, how am I of service? It's not just what you've done, but you have to use your analytics and say, how does what I've done serve this organization? And so one of the things that we've done, and this again applies not just to selling yourself and do a job interview, but it also serves uh, once you own an organization or if you're selling a product or a service or a philosophy or an idea, these same principles will apply long term. Mm -hmm. So you know, some people will say, well, Terry, what are some of the top arguments that work in helping you to sell yourself or helping you to sell a product or service? And so here are, you know, a few of the six. So people really want to know, how are you going to save them time? Efficiency and effectiveness is a really highly desirable trait. Right. So what about your background, your experience, and uh, what you're going to bring to the table shows that organization how you can save them time. The second thing people are looking for is, how are you going to save them money? You know, sometimes people say, well, I'm here to make you more money. And that might be true. But again, that could be very situational. Usually people feel more comfortable talking about how they can save an organization money. Uh, and then you can go into, if they ask more questions, how can you help us to make more money? It just depends on the audience and how, uh, you know, where their need issue is. Mm -hmm. um, another is, how can you give us security? How can we feel safe about working with you, partnering with you, hiring you? So time, money, security. And there are others as well. One of the big factors we found is fun. How can you make working with you fun? You know, you spend eight to 10 hours a day working with people. They want to know that you can be enjoyable to work with, fun to work with, and still get the work done and not be a clown, right? So there's an interesting measurement there. But we're looking for somebody who's a good cultural fit. You're looking for somebody who knows how to get the work done. Somebody knows how to be, of course, a team player, but somebody who knows how to save time, save money, save mental sanity, give greater security to that job and to that leadership team. Again, this is the foundation, the fundamentals of building the case for why they should hire you. And that really does help make you stand out. Well, I think what's interesting with some of that, and, and I guess I'll just kind of ask your opinion with it, is... You know, you talk about obviously saving time, money, uh, and then you bring in the, the fun aspect, which is really, it becomes kind of a cultural thing, a personality thing. Where's the balance, do you believe, when employers are looking at people in terms of, well, you may have this extremely talented person as far as, you know, whatever you're looking for in a skill set, but they don't seem like they would fit in or their personality just it doesn't seem strong or something they would look for versus maybe this person has a little bit less ability, so to speak, or experience but man, they, their personality fits in here. I mean, what what is that balance do you believe that employers look for with that? Yeah, it's really organic. It's hard to say. That's so situational. But we do know this. People buy people. And people are more likely to hire people they like and want to work with than, than someone who they feel indifferent about. 
that's where that delivery piece and the creativity piece of your interviewing um, is equally important to the case because that's how the magic of you and the personality of you really comes out. Because look, if I have to spend eight to 10 hours with you um, a day, five days a week, uh, I want it to be enjoyable, pleasant, and fun. I don't want to work with a drone, right? right? I don't want to work with the Stepford people. So you have to take that actually into consideration. And then it's a very delicate balance because you don't want to go overboard, right? Where they're like, oh, this person's going to be a total goof around. They're mm-hmm. not going to be a real contributor. It's a fine line. It's an interesting dance. But it's definitely something that you could make up for. So, you know, a little bit in terms of maybe you don't have as much experience, but you bring that personality, you bring that that uh, persona that could actually help you step above somebody that maybe has more experience, a little bit supposed skill, uh, it would might help you in that area. Here's a great example of somebody who kind of showed their fun side without looking like a partier. Uh, they had they were the host in their previous job of the company's Halloween contest. Mm. And they went around and inspired everybody to dress up on that one day for Halloween. And then they gave awards, et cetera. And it showed a little fun side, but it didn't show that they were like these crazy partiers, right? (laughs) Again, it was a creative way to do team building and they did it as a theme. So each department had themes Mm. and they said, look, it wasn't disruptive. It was fun. It contributed to the culture. Uh, People had a great time with it. It was only one day a year. It didn't, you know, hurt the company. And we all had a lot of fun with it. And it was just all good, clean fun. And I think all good, clean fun is a great way to sell that side of you. Now, a little bit on the flip side, in an effort for people that, you know, they want to stand out and get noticed, some strategies maybe they try to use might not actually be that effective, even though it, it sure you stand out. What are some of those mistakes maybe that job seekers commit or things that they do that on the surface seem like, yeah, I'm going to stand out with this, but truly aren't effective and it might actually be a negative in, in the long run? Oh, I think the biggest one is that they just talk too long about the same <laughs> thing. They just don't know how to self edit. Right? And I think that interviews are, uh, you know, interviewers are not looking for you to share your life story. Mm-hmm. They need the parts that are relevant to them and the job that you're applying for. And they need it quickly without rushing, but in an interesting and conversational style. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Winston Churchill. He says, uh, if you want me to speak for two minutes, it will take me three weeks of preparation. If you want me to speak for 30 minutes, it will take me a week to prepare. But if you want me to speak for an hour, I'm ready right now. Hmm. And that's really the challenge. It, it really speaks to the fact that you have to prepare clean, concise, compelling answers ahead of time. You can't just wing it. And everybody wants to speak for an hour. The problem is nobody really wants to hear it. If you want to get it tight, if you want it to be compelling, if you want to get where you want to go in the shortest period of time, you have to prepare. And that's really our goal with the book, Small Message, Big Impact, is to help people to hit all three of these benchmarks, right? All right, here's how you get there in a short period of time. Here's how you can still be creative. And then here's how you can still you know, meet that delivery requirement and have fun with your messaging while you're there. Right. Explain then the idea. This is something that stood out to me that I saw. You had listed getting scrappy and earning the right to be noticed. What exactly does that mean? We all understand that there's so many people going after the same opportunities, right? Some people will say, look, Terry, I can't even get in the door, um, let alone do something to stand out and separate myself from the pack. How do I just do something to get in the door just to get the interview? 
And, you know, that doesn't mean that you should be sending in a hot pink resume, right? It means that you have to earn the opportunity to be interviewed. And that's what we mean by get scrappy. And there's a lot of things you can do to earn attention uh, in a respectful, classy, elegant way. Uh, in the book, we talk uh, about a couple of different examples. One, uh, one that I loved uh, was when Donnie Deutsch from the television show, The Big Idea, was trying to acquire a new account uh, in the advertising industry he was really going after um, an automotive client. And so what he did was he sent them a variety of different car parts with a creative slogan once an hour for, I think it was somewhere between 12 and 24 hours, where, for example, he sent a door handle and he said, we'll help you open more doors. Mm. Uh, he sent them a fender and said, we'll cover your rear end. <laughs> All right. So it was really creative. And because of that creative approach, it got him in the door. Ultimately, he earned the account. On a smaller, simpler level, uh, there's an illustration in the book that we talk about Scrappy Sue. Scrappy Sue had come on a referral into an, uh, an interview opportunity situation, and she uh, found out that the interviewer was really busy, uh, but always liked to take an afternoon coffee break. And so she found out when this um, individual uh, liked to take the break and offered to bring their favorite Starbucks beverage at that time. So by bringing the Starbucks beverage at that moment, she earned her opportunity to get in the door. Okay. And they thought that was kind of a clever opening. So there's little things you can do, big and small. And again, you have to be very careful, right? We don't want somebody to turn into a stalker. But uh, if you do a little homework, you get a little creative, you can show people that you're really willing to go above and beyond the ordinary in order to earn the opportunity for that position. And that leads into the other question I had with this, because you obviously do talk about making a connection. You know, maybe if the, the person you're speaking with wrote a book, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that, you mentioned that you've read it or different parts of it. You, they know someone in your network. How do you bring something like that up, though, and without making really sound like you're brown nosing a little bit or kind of trying to suck up? Because, I mean, that's kind of what runs through my mind right away is, like, oh, OK, well, if someone was saying that to me, like, I get it. You're trying to make that connection. You're trying to. Like I said, brown knows a little bit. Are there any keys to not <laughs> sounding that way? I mean, uh, you know, I think I, I think it, the art there is an art form to all of this, and the art takes place in your delivery. So, um, you know, I probably would start. I would probably enter that conversation a little subtly, something like, you know, I wanted you to know that I did my homework before I came in the door. So I understand that you wrote a book. So I made a point to order it and read it before we got together. Mm -hmm. Two of my favorite parts were this. Okay. Right. So you're showing them that you're, you're doing it as a, I, I wanted to show you that I do my homework before I come in versus I'm here to brown nose and suck up, even though you kind of, I mean, we all know that, <laughs> that you are, I mean, it is a, it is a tool that you use in order to develop rapport and show that you're willing to go above and beyond the the ordinary or the average person because sure. you took the time to read their book, right? I don't know if that's a brown-nosing thing. I think that's a good thing to do. Yeah, no, and, and, <laughs> and I, I agree. I mean, it makes total sense. I, and I think sometimes it's just, it gets caught up in people's own minds in terms of, you know, what they sound like or what someone else might think of them when they do that. But I mean, it, it does make a lot of sense, obviously, in the long run. Your point, and I think you're spot on because it, it is a delicate balance. And that's what all of this is. Interviewing is so brutal. I mean, let's be honest. I I, I was watching the debates and I was thinking to myself, wow, the, the presidential debates are a national public job interview. And look how critical we all are as we sit at home in our couches. True. You know? That's true. And, 
And the interviewers that are interviewing us as we go into different opportunities are kind of looking at us through a similar critical lens. And so we're just trying to all figure out what's the best way to represent ourselves and our backgrounds and our history. And then they're trying to decide, you know, how do I pick the best candidate and and find out all I need to in a very short period of time? It's brutal. It's truly brutal. <laughs> and you're right. I mean, with the debates and, and everything else, and we look at things so critically now, and I think we, again, I think we get in our own heads as far as when we're going into something. So if we take it back to the idea of the elevator speech, can you give us a, a brief example of how it might sound? Because it's one thing to tell people that, you know, do this, try that, but it's always nice to have some sort of example to, to draw off of. What, what would you say if you were going into, you know, maybe it was only 30 seconds, maybe it's a minute but what would be an example? Can you give us a, a brief little idea of what that would sound like? Like right now, we're really focused on, you know, selling small message, big impact. So I can kind of, I, let me give you a shortcut to your listeners. If they want to, they can see a 75 second little book trailer scripts that we created for uh, selling small message, big impact. So at least I'm speaking on exactly what I'm speaking on. Mm-hmm. And if you go to YouTube and you just type in a uh, small message, big impact book trailer, you can kind of see how the script morphed into uh, an actual little video trailer. But I would probably start something like, you know, you might find yourself in a quick meeting with a CEO, in a dream job interview, in a competitive sales presentation, or at a networking event. We've all been there. A new opportunity presents itself, and you might have one chance to share your message with a key decision maker. You feel the pressure. The clock is ticking. Will you be ready or will you just wing it? When you make the most of that important meeting, your path can change forever. And in this age of information overload, no business skill is more essential than being able to get to the point and connect with others quickly. Enter the elevator speech effect. And then we go into like the whole thing about, you know, if you deliver a brief, authentic and classy presentation and you do it right, then the listener's intrigued and the real conversation begins. And you get the appointment, you win the job, you earn the sale, your network expands, and you can eliminate the pressure and the guesswork. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wing it. There is a strategic framework to get you there, and a small message can have a big impact. And that's kind of how we get a conversation rolling. And I think that's it's nice that you're able to direct people to something where they can maybe get a, a different feel, a different idea for that. So I do appreciate that. We are starting to get a little low on time, but I want to touch on a couple of things yet. In terms of adjusting your speech or maybe updating it so it doesn't get stale. What's sort of the suggestion there? I mean, if you're not getting those interviews or those positions, clearly something's not working. But at what point do you sort of look and see where you can make those adjustments, how you can make it better, improve it in some sort of way? First thing I tell people to do is to think like the interviewer, right? They can be hard to read, and sometimes they're looking for more than what's listed on the job description. So you want to do a little bit of homework and think like an interviewer. Uh, Then the second thing you want to do is you want to make sure to be prepared to tell your story. And you want to tell your story in a, don't do a data dump, right? Be clear, concise, and compelling, but pull out the nuggets that are going to be most juicy, most interesting for that interviewer. Then, of course, you want to dress the part. You know, what you wear matters, and, of course, it impacts how others see you and it also impacts how you carry yourself. And uh, then I would say be scrappy, earn the right to be heard. And my final thought would be step away from your computer. You know, you've got to get out there, get in the mix. And 
meet people, be social, ask for interviews, get together for coffee, uh, get away from your computer and put the human contact back into your networking contacts. Yeah, that's definitely a huge thing now because it is so easy to just, you know, get on the laptop and fire up, you know, just finding jobs and trying to connect that way. And it, really, we've all discovered, I think, that that isn't that effective. Uh, it has definite uh, benefits to it. But to really land those jobs, like you said, it's getting that face-to-face -face connection. Unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap things up. But uh, hopefully, I trust everyone picked up some tools and tips to make an impact with their message, whether it be a, a longer one or just that short uh, elevator speech that you give. We have been speaking today with Terry Shodine, author of Small Message, Big Impact, The Elevator Speech Effect, and founder of Shodine Communications. Terry, where can people find out more about you? Uh, they can visit our website. All you have to do is go visit uh, smallmessagebigimpact.com. And the book has been published by Penguin Portfolio Publishing and is available on audiobook, ebook, uh, physical hard copy, in bookstores nationwide, on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, all of the above. And uh, yeah, invite them to check out the book trailer on YouTube, that small message, big impact book trailer. You know, if we could be of service, we'd be honored to do so. And I wish everybody great happiness and continued success on their journeys. All right, great. Thank you for coming on today. Thanks for having me. And we're always looking for feedback uh, as well. So please shoot us an email with any comments or suggestions at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing all of you success in your future endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. You've been listening to localjobnetwork.com radio.